The Minnesota Vikings have brought joy and misery to the Vikings fans for many years. At the Skull Purple Podcast, we just want to see the Vikings party with the Lombardi. Join us for analysis, interviews, laughs, and much more. It's the podcast by Vikings fans for Vikings fans. The Skull Purple Podcast starts now. Here's your host, Carson Schubert. Welcome in to the Skull Purple Podcast. And uh, yes, Luke, you just did see yourself in the intro as well. Um, hopefully you're doing well, man. Uh, you've made it. You've made it to the Skull Purple Podcast <laughs> intro. All right. I'd love to see it. <laughs> How you doing, man? Good to have you on the show again. Doing good. It's uh, currently NFL kickoff night. So yeah. Happy holidays, everybody. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's hard to believe the season is back. In some ways, it's like hard to believe, but it's also like, oh, it's about time, you know? Like it's kind of a kind of a hard way to phrase it, I guess, <laughs> or picture it. It's, but. Th this one's going to test you, I think, for Vikings fans. I think this one is going to be strong. This one's going to be a test. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, it's good to have you back on, um, and I'm glad to uh, glad to be talking Vikings with you. The season on Sunday, starting off with the Buccaneers. So, kind of want to talk a little bit about not only the Sunday game, but also the season preview uh, for the Vikings as well. Um, sure. So, just uh, really quickly, want to get your thoughts on what you saw from the Vikings this off season. Um, what, what was your kind of main takeaways? Yeah. I, the, the biggest thing the Vikings did in the off season was try to fix their run game. I think they really didn't like, um, how that run game went down last year. Um, you know, you look at the, the way the 2022 season went down 13 wins, whole bunch of one score wins. Everybody knows it's fake and the Vikings are, are under no illusions there. And I think if they were to try to point, if you were to ask Kevin O'Connell, Hey, why was 2022 so fake? And I think someone actually did. Uh, and he had an answer like this. And it was that they didn't have a run game, that they couldn't run the clock out when they had a lead. Um, it made things a lot harder to set up. You couldn't bring the tempo of a game back to earth if it was getting out of hand. Um, sometimes just, you know, running the ball really calmly and quietly and going back to basics like that can get, you know, your O-line back on the same page and it can get, you know, just kind of get the game feeling like it's no longer the most the insane thing you've ever been a part of. Um, like I think about like the Colts game falling behind 33 points, you know, uh, that can have that sort of effect. And then also they do need to run the ball a little bit to set up their play action. And now, you know, you're throwing a lot of downs in the toilet if your run game sucks. Um, right. So they wanted to fix that. And their plan for doing that was, to go to running back by committee, which is more of a resource thing, and bringing in Josh Oliver, committing to a fullback, and stealing a bunch of plays from Shyle Canahan, Kyle Shanahan, <laughs> um, <laughs> and that is the that's the goal now. And it's a lot of double teams with skill players. You're going to see edge rushers double teamed by two tight ends or by a tight end and a fullback. You're going to see, um, ideally a world where you don't get as many one-on-ones for Garrett Bradbury or Ed Ingram and protecting those guys kind of in that way. Um, that's going to be the overall thesis of the off season. And then of course, rebuilding the defense into something completely different. 
with uh, Brian Flores, who comes in and basically looked at every single player and said, I want to do this with you. I want to do this with you. I don't have a place for you. You're gone. And now that's, you know, they lose the Darius Smith, Eric Kendricks, all those guys, Delvin Tomlinson, uh, and replaced with players that on paper look a lot worse. And the defensive roster is worse. I don't think that I'm really going out on into any dangerous territory saying that. But it might not matter because they're just going to blitz a lot. And they'll lose doing that and win doing that. And it's kind of an equalizer. You're going to have the worst roster in the league. And if you go blitz eight every play, you might just steal some games. And I think that's that's the, the, the thesis here, which is going to make this a really volatile season where sometimes they won't be able to stop a runny nose. And sometimes quarterbacks will just totally dissolve and the game will be over by halftime. Um, sometimes it'll be close and it'll come down to a third and long blitz. And did they pick it up? If so, we lose. And if not, we win. And that's going to be the way this works. But that's kind of the world that we live in now, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's interesting. You you mentioned how the uh, offense struggled in the run game last season and I think that could also have played into the defensive struggles as well because you're allowing, sure. uh, you're having shorter drives offensively. You're and three and out, and then they got to come right back. Yeah, it, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, I think I think a better run game will definitely help not just sustaining drives offensively, but giving that defense a breather. And especially last year when the Vikings had so many veteran players on that defense, it was uh, it was really hard, I'm sure, on those defensive players to keep going back out uh, after those three and outs at times. So, and in these like long games, yeah, where you'd have like 14, 15 possessions. I think of the, the Dolphins game, of course, the Colts game. Anytime it went to overtime and all that. Um, but yeah, I guess overall thoughts on the Vikings offseason. I'm not really a fan of like grading it or trying to say what was good and what was bad <laughs> or whatever. And trying to distill ultimately like a, a three or four faceted plan into one grade. I think you don't get anything out of that. I might as well arbitrarily pick a number. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, moving on to uh, training camp, obviously you mentioned uh, Brian Flores, one of the key additions uh, to the Vikings just overall, obviously a coach, not a player, but um, bringing in Byron Murphy Jr. was a huge addition to the defense. Uh, somebody that's, a uh, relatively young corner, but uh, has played pretty decently throughout his career so far. But uh, Vikings are obviously hoping that he can take it an even bigger step forward this season. Um, what did you think about him this uh, training camp and any of the other players that may have stood out to you during training camp? Yeah, I think he had a good camp. Um, he got a lot of Justin Jefferson. <laughs> So you kind of have to adjust your expectation because sometimes JJ is just going to be JJ. Uh, but when joint practices came, when the Titans came, when the Cardinals came, um, he did really well in those situations. Um, I was a big fan of that. I was dying for him before free agency. I was like, oh, Byron Murphy, give me that guy. So I was really excited when they actually made that happen. Uh, and he can kind of be a cornerback one that can hold up, even though he is not like, measured athleticism wise he's not going to be the most dynamic corner in the league but honestly at d-back i don't think that that goes as far as it does on the other side of that equation at wide receiver you got to be fast enough to keep up and speed can be a recovery thing if you mess up like think trey waynes but it's honestly it it determines a degree of difficulty rather than is is a a necessity where like if you're slow as a receiver 
it's kind of an is like that just kind of doesn't fly. Uh, but if you're slow as a corner, you can still play things properly, have super tight technique and make savvy decisions, I guess is what I'll say in terms of the technique and the steps that you choose to take. Uh, and you can kind of play around that. And that's how Byron Murphy has made his career is playing really, really, really soundly and not getting him into situations where he has to do the recovery speed. It just means there's not as much of a safety net for him, um, but he doesn't need it as much. So I, I like that signing quite a bit in terms of other people from training camp. Um, I mean, everybody talked about Ivan Pace. He absolutely stuck out. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go against the grain on that one. That was awesome. And it was cool to see him stick out in the preseason, earn an actual rotational role. That's amazing for an undrafted rookie. Uh, Brandon Powell really stuck out at camp. Not so much in the preseason. Um, kind of was a one-on-one -on -one maven, but once it was time to actually, you know, be in the defense or be in the offense and, and navigate his way through the defense, he wasn't quite as productive. He also didn't get a lot of snaps because he had kind of already earned a job by winning a bunch of one-on-ones in training camp. So we'll see. He won the punt return job, obviously. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, I outside of um, Ivan Pace, I it was really interesting to watch Josh Metellus, who just signed that extension this morning. Um, and all the different ways that they're using him and Bynum and all these guys, uh, there's some really... I think there's some really interesting blitz formational stuff and coverage disguises coming up with him. And the the role that they've sort of crafted for him is a role not necessarily that they need. And that's really the Josh Metellus thing and why they extended him is this is a guy that they found a role for because this dude's playing. We got to find a way to get him on the field, not because we need a third safety, but because, man, we got some safeties. Let's figure out how to use them all. <laughs> right. And. And not only that, but I think just the overall talent of the safety room probably outweighs that of the cornerback room. A hundred percent. Oh yeah. The cornerback room is thin. They have under contract right now on the active roster. They'll probably, I, I would not surprised to be surprised to see them elevate one off the practice squad for game day, but uh, they have four serious cornerbacks right now. That is not enough. You're two injuries away from sticking Najee Thompson in there who is not here to play cornerback. He's a special team. Um, Your boy. My boy. Exactly. Which is exactly what I mean. He was. If you paid attention to special teams at Georgia Southern, which if you didn't, I don't blame you. <laughs> but once he came in and he was such a curious, it's like he wasn't his his athletic testing wasn't great. He wasn't um, particularly productive. He had only been playing corner for two years. So he was also raw. And it's like, what is the point of this guy? And you go, oh. There's only one answer that could be. Um, and if you actually watched those plays, you, you saw him. And it, it came out, Matt Daniels said in a presser today that he wanted to take Najee Thompson last year. And they were like, he's not out yet. He's not <laughs> coming up for the draft yet. And he was like, okay, okay. But next year we're getting him. And then they did. <laughs> so that that's was, cool. they wanted him bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, but yeah, cool. they, they they might have to activate Joan Williams just to have enough warm bodies uh in pads and jerseys you know uh he's back where as safeties they've got six of them if you count jay ward uh yeah and you know with, with bynum harrison smith we don't exactly have that at corner right uh and i'm not i'm still not shutting my my eyes on lewis scene possibly getting in for rotational reps in like a big dime kind of package or something like that 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Obviously, you mentioned Brandon Powell, who kind of mm-hmm. almost stole that role, that final wide receiver spot from um, Jalen uh, Rager a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of that comes down to trust, don't you think? I think with Jalen Rager and the yeah. misrunning of routes a season ago and just you know not really trusting him on the field when he's on the field. Um, and in I the preseason, that, too. Yeah, right. Um, I'm just curious your thoughts on that uh, because Jalen Rager, if you look at side-by-side Brandon Powell and Jalen Rager, you would think Jalen Rager just a much more talented individual, but Brandon Powell seems to be able to be trusted more by the coaching staff and knows the playbook, obviously, from the Rams days with KOC. Well, and look at their draft stock, right? Um, you know, right. You, that's what that's what the combine is, is looking at these guys side by side talent wise, right? Right. One of them goes in the first round and the other one doesn't. But Brandon Powell, he got there by being very twitchy, very shifty and explosive out of his cuts. Uh, and that worked out well. And then just being incredibly sound as a punt returner. Every single catch was solid. And Kevin O'Connell has experience with him in L.A. too. So you might have been a little behind the eight ball if you're Jalen Rager. But for a guy that ran the wrong route a couple times, very famously, uh, and and caused problems that way, to do that again in the preseason, it's just like that is just not the scab you want to pick at. Um, I don't know. I I think he did. I thought he did enough to make the team, but I didn't think he did more than Brandon Powell. So they yeah. then it becomes a numbers game. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so I'm curious, um, and maybe you already mentioned this a little bit, but, uh, what are the biggest players you're expecting to make an impact outside of, of course, Justin Jefferson, that's just the cop-out answer right there. Um, but, uh, what are some of the other players that you expect to make an impact that maybe are like unsung type of heroes for the Vikings in 2023? Well, so I, I don't know how unsung he is among the world of the Vikings among like your listeners, who are Vikings fans, but it's got the Christian <laughs> Derisaw answer has to be this, right? Um, Derisaw is, I mean, I think he's going to be an all pro left tackle and there's so much you can do with that in terms of the run and the pass. Uh, but maybe for a spicier answer, they've been raving so much about Brian Asamoah and yeah. what I saw from him in camp, we didn't see anything in the preseason, obviously, but what I saw from him in camp, he's really taken a step recognizing things. He sees it and when he triggers and he goes like last year, when he picks a gap, he picks the heck out of that gap and he's going and he's going to knife in and he's going to be in the backfield. And he's, he's either going to be wrong or right, but he's fast and wrong. Um, I have this thing. I talk about it on my show all the time. The, the, the kind of developmental curve of a player and really any athlete where you start where you're slow and wrong and you're figuring things out and you don't know what you're doing. And then eventually you figure out what you're doing and now you're slow and right. Then you got to get fast at it and you start playing on instincts, but those instincts are undeveloped. You're fast, but you're wrong. So you go from slow and right to fast and wrong. Asamoah came in at that stage at fast and wrong because he was playing on instinct, but those instincts would lead him astray sometimes. I think he might be fast and right now. And that's where you finally become who you're supposed to be as a player. Um, some guys don't make it up over that particular, like over that whole developmental arc, but fast and right is where we want to be. Uh, I think he's going to do quite a bit in terms of covering up some of that Jordan Hicks stuff that happened to us last year, where you get a swing pass out in the flat and Jordan Hicks was too slow. And suddenly it's a 25 yard gain. 
he'll be really good against that stuff in particular. And then also like outside runs, shooting gaps against power, all that stuff, which is going to be important against I'm watching the Lions right now as they're going to have a whole bunch of pullers and a fast guy out in the flat. And I'm thinking this is what Asim was here to do. Yeah. Well, two more things on the season preview, and then we'll move over to the Bucks side of things on mm-hmm. Sunday. Um, so this is the question I think that everybody's talking about as a Vikings yeah, fan. Right. Do you think Justin Jefferson's deal is done by Sunday? What is your take? I mean, I'm I'm not going to play it back and uh, prove you wrong if it isn't, but, <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> or whatever I'm, your thoughts are. But I, I'm not a reporter. I know as much as anybody with a Twitter account knows, right? Um, but I think I'd be remiss to ignore what, what everybody has said. I mean, Ben Gessling on, on Axis Vikings has said they're on track for this weekend. Judd Zolgad went on the real Forno show and said, echoed a similar sentiment. Diana Rossini has been saying this for two weeks. We're getting other tweets from, and other reports from guys like Jeremy Fowler and other people around. Um, I want to say Justina Anderson is weighing it. We're getting attention from the national beat they will not give their time to a situation that's not imminent you know right. uh and and when it comes to those reports you kind of hear what their source wants you to hear um for example you know jeremy fowler says well it's a difficult situation you know they've got two years of team control over jefferson and jefferson's also content to wait so it's kind of a hard deal to get done and it's like that is such a spin zone because that describes every single player who you draft that's good and <laughs> you want to extend when it when he becomes eligible to ex- like that is every single 2020 draft class player that is getting right. an extension those terms apply because you're probably picking up their fifth year option for him uh and it always behooves the player to wait because the cap goes up right so right. it's like that's that is a spin zone someone's agent has t- has decided that they want to weigh in. Uh, uh, yeah, sounds like it's it's this weekend is the nomenclature that I'm rolling with. So maybe that means it gets done in the middle of the game, right? Jefferson's yeah. agent doesn't need to be there. Yeah, and by the time this even drops tomorrow morning, uh, we might even have news that the extension is done. So who knows? But uh, yeah, I, I think the biggest question is when, not if. And I think, one of the bigger questions in my opinion is how much money are we talking here? Are we talking North of 30 million a year or are we talking oh, a yeah. little under that or where is it going to be and how many years? Because if you're Jefferson, you kind of want to stay away from going too far into to some extent because you want to always reset right. the market, you know? So yeah, it's, this is the, the Mahomes lesson, right? Mahomes signs a 10 year deal. We're getting to a point where that's going to get tense because he's going to feel underpaid and he's going to be underpaid. He's going to be right. So that's the deal, right? You don't necessarily want to do a, um, you know, a 10 year deal or anything like that. The the year's question is more, I'm more curious about. That's the one that um, doesn't feel as, as dialed in whether it's, you know, if it's a three year deal or if it's a five year deal. Right. Uh, I think as the player, especially a player who knows Kirk cousins and probably has spoken with him a little bit about this, Kirk Cousins wants to go back to the table every two years because that's how you make the most money. Long de- long deals are good for the team and bad for the player. Um, so we'll see where that ends up. But yeah. the amount itself, I would anticipate to be above 30. I, I My guess right now is like 31.5 a year. Um, if it's under 
30, then that's a coup. And honestly, something that might become a worse situation later because that's I think that's underpaying Justin Jefferson. And I know that sounds crazy because, you know, two years ago, we would go or three or four years ago, we would go crazy if a quarterback made 30. Right. Yeah. But the cap goes up. I don't know what to tell you. TV deal coming. Gambling deal coming. 30 mil is not what 30 mil used to be. Especially in NFL terms. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yep. Yeah, no, I'm I'm interested to see too. Um, this is something I've always kind of wondered in the back of my mind, like how much is Justin Jefferson and his agent, for that matter, weighing in the stock of the Vikings future quarterback situation? Obviously, we know Cousins is here now, but how much longer is Kirk going to be here? And what does the Vikings quarterback situation look like a year from now and going forward? I'm sure that that's part of it. Um, but I don't know how much of a part of it it is for somebody as young as Justin Jefferson, who, yeah, the next guy is going to come and go too. If right, and, and Jefferson will still be in the league, right? Uh, that's the hope. Yeah, I, yeah. Like when you're that, like when you're an older player and you've got one or two years left, you go, I need, I need a good quarterback. But when you're young, your outlook is so long term. Nobody can guarantee that they're going to be in any one place for more than two years. Right. So. You know, it's there's going to be some chaos either way, right? Sometime in the future, you know, eventually Kirk Cousins is gone regardless, right? For my money, it sounds like the Vikings are currently in a sort of a default state or the, the default state is the status quo, I guess, is Cousins walks after this year. They've very much set up their cap for that to be the case. Um, they might even do like a fake June 1st weird thing, which is just a cap shenanigan to help get that spread that dead cap hit out. Um, and I'm sure cousins would be amenable to that because it wouldn't have any impact on him whatsoever, but it sounds like he's going off to his new chapter next year, unless 2023 is like particularly amazing and they make a deep playoff run or they go to the super bowl or something like, like I genuinely think it would take an NFC championship appearance, uh, maybe even an NFC championship win and a super bowl appearance to get Kirk cousins to stay in Minnesota. Uh, who is next? I'm sure Quasey has all kinds of thoughts about that and options and things that he wants to to try, right? I'm sure he's got, you know, a list of all the draft quarterbacks and how he feels about him. He's monitoring Kyler Murray. He's figuring out who's going to be a free agent. Looking at Jaron Hall and saying, who can you compete with? You know, can you be somebody that bridges us over while a rookie gets ready? Yeah. They have a, a plurality of things going on. And that's the way Quasey always talks about it is, you know, we don't hone in on one guy. They don't plan to trade for Kyler Murray. That's an option. They might. They'll consider it. They'll figure out what prices are, are going to happen. They'll, of course, right? They'll right. have that conversation. Of course, they'll have that conversation. They'd be silly not to have that conversation. But no, they, they uh, definitely don't hone in, and they are very much of the Bud Grant school of wait till the last minute to do everything. Yeah. If they're not doing their due diligence, then they're not doing their job well enough, right? They, they've got to do that. Um, whether they really are that interested in Kyler Murray or any other quarterback for that matter. They still need to do their due diligence um, on that player, find out what mm -hmm. he's worth and that kind of thing and weigh the options there. So yeah, absolutely. Um, last thing on the season, I got to get your record prediction. I've, I've given mine. We've, we've kind of gone back and forth on the show with different record predictions. I'm kind of stuck at 10 and seven and it's weird because I was there last year too. Um, but what are your thoughts on a record prediction, even a ballpark figure, 
uh, if you would. I think they're going to be around 500. Um, I think th- some things will crash back to earth. I think they just are going to be too volatile a team to go and, you know, rattle off nine, 10 wins in a row and, and go be in the conversation again. But that might win the division. <laughs> so my my mean prediction has been nine and eight, but the fourth the fourth seed and, and we get a home playoff game against <laughs> Dallas or whoever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'd be uh that'd be an interesting way of going about things. I I think it's kind of like in that same area of uh uh what do you want to call a purple purgatory of like we can't get over the hump in terms of like being a true Super Bowl contender, but we're never bad enough to get a yeah. really good draft we're, pick. But well, that's not that see that's what people say, but the real secret is we're not bad enough where I don't have to pay attention anymore. That's what people really want. They want freedom <laughs> because they're yeah. weak. Winning is better than losing. Unless you're a softie. Get out of here. <laughs> draft pick nonsense. Come on. Well, uh, speaking of draft picks, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers might uh, might have a few of those coming up uh, uh, in the... <laughs> Every team does. But anyways, uh, moving on to the Bucs. Uh, let's talk about the offensive uh, key factors against Tampa Bay. Obviously, Todd Bowles a really well-respected defensive play caller uh, throughout his career in the NFL. Um, What do you think it's going to take offensively to move the ball against this Tampa Bay defense and, uh, yeah, see success on Sunday? Got to pick up stunts. That's a big one. Todd Bowles kind of was Brian Flores first. Uh, in terms of being just a totally insane blitzer, that's what he did in the Super Bowl season. They were nuts about their blitzes in the Super Bowl season. Um, they kind of backed off of that after 2021. I think the story goes that Sean McVay kind of exposed them in the divisional round that year uh, on their way to McVay's Super Bowl. And then they went back to the drawing board and went, we got to back off. We got to play this a little more straight up. So they rushed for a lot more than they used to. But they still blitz a lot. So, like, you still got to be on it. Like, they are still a blitz-heavy team. Todd Bowles is still who he is. But it's a little bit more four-man rush stunts and games. Um, Kind of the way the Vikings played last year up front, but with different coverages on the back end that were better. Uh, So, you have to, for guards in particular, you have to know not to crash too hard into someone. If, the, if, if you have a guy in front of you and he is crashing directly into Christian Derrissaw and you're Ezra Cleveland, don't follow him. Let him go crash into Christian Derrissaw. Just do enough where he can't crash Derrissaw and then go get a free run to the quarterback. But you have to stay home because someone's probably looping. Uh, they've got some good pass, pass rushers. That defense is full of a lot of good guys. I think they're going to man up um, with, with our receivers. I think they're going, we got Jamel Dean, Carlton Davis, Antoine Winfield's roaming over the the middle. Let's play mano a mano, and then it just becomes a matter of can they hang on to Justin Jefferson? You know. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see um, this new look Vikings offense in terms of adding Jordan Addison, but also, um, like you mentioned, kind of going more with that two tight end set um, and trying to. Uh, utilize Josh Oliver in the running game. Um, how right. is that gonna how is that gonna play into the Bucks' hands or is it going to be more beneficial for the Vikings to do that more often um, instead of going into 11 personnel? Right. And I'm super curious to see how they answer that question because part of me wants to 
um, you know, go into base personnel and condense the whole game and make this not come down to their corners who might be their best players. Um, but the other part of me is like, but their nickel kind of is nobody <laughs> and they don't like their nickel. So why don't we go expose that guy? Right. Um, but I think I, I look at their defense and I go, who am I most scared of in total? It's probably Vita Vea. Uh, and my answer to that is going to be get two tight ends in the game. Make sure you have Vita Vea on a double team all the time, and then use those two tight ends to kind of make up whatever for whatever player you had to pull off of a different block to make sure there's a double team. Um, that I think if we can run on them, you know, then all this blitz stunty crap doesn't matter, right? Just hit them in the mouth. And I think so. So if I'm, if I'm trying to game plan and if I'm Kevin O'Connell, I'm going, we're going to go in, we're going to go, you know, outside zone lead. We're going to go at the names for it are like zap and force and Zorro and all this. We're going to do lead blocking zone run, give the rock to Alexander Madison and see if they can see, see if, if we can really test their metal. And if they can come up to that challenge, then we pivot into something a little more over the top. And then we go, all right, we tried Justin Jefferson. Now it's your turn. Go beat Jamel Dean or go beat Carlton Davis. Good luck. And I, and I, I'm taking JJ in that matchup, right? Yeah, Um, absolutely. And then we'll see if they put a safety over the top of him. And if they don't, we probably get a lot of production and then eventually they'll put a safety over the top of him. And then we have to, kind of figure out all right what personnel package are we in who's out there that we can expose um and that's gonna i think be the flow of this game or at least it would be if if you know i were in charge of the vikings which i am not which is probably good (laughs) yeah ditto for me ditto for me um i'm curious your thoughts on the interior of the offensive line we know it's back from last year intact exactly exactly intact which uh down to the guy not, well no they moved uh, like brandell inside that's different but d- down to the true. depth right <laughs> even josh sokol on the yeah. practice squad again running yep. it back baby <laughs> running it back and, and you know it wasn't that great on the interior offensive line last year so uh i'm curious your thoughts on that and then the defensive line obviously you lose Zadarius smith um where where do you uh, feel do you how how comfortable do you feel with these players? Um, I'm kind of I'm kind of thinking these two position groups could be the weakest points uh, for the Vikings. Obviously, corners very corner, yeah. weak too, but um, it doesn't help your corners if you can't get a blitz on or can't get a pass rush either. So exactly, and that that's I think why we're we're doing so many crazy blitzes. I have a show mm-hmm. from uh, this Wednesday, Locked On Vikings, that goes over a lot of those blitz packages and, and what Brian Flores is trying to do. And essentially the goal is to guarantee a free rusher. Um, it's not a, can we trick you? It's a, we are forcing, you cannot be right. Um, and we will get a free rusher every single time. And, and then it becomes, can your quarterback still complete the pass versus mm-hmm. off man coverage? And that's pretty hard. And that's why Brian Flores has sort of gotten a lot of blood out of stones, especially in Miami with really bad rosters. Um, we have, I guess, to go to the interior, we have Bradbury, Cleveland, Ingram. Ingram is somebody, Wes Phillips just had a lot of great stuff to say in a presser today about him. They have sort of echoed that sentiment. This, you know, Ed Ingram's really come along. He's taken that next step. We're really excited about him. Um, I 
he played that like a drive of that preseason game or two drives of that preseason game. And everybody got really mad over a couple of reps. Uh, I did a really in-depth breakdown there. I don't, I don't think people should be that mad about them. Um, but they've really hyped him up as somebody that maybe is taking a step forward, which is very common for guards to do in year two. Uh, and Ezra Cleveland has taken a measurable, but modest step forward every single season of his career. Um, he still has one too many catastrophe games and that's what his game is, is he'll come out and have a fine game all the time. And then he'll have one where he just dissolves and you just get, but every year it's one less of them, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then Bradbury's Bradbury. He's a small center. Show me a team with a big center. Uh, and those guys will get bullied by nose tackles if you leave them on islands sometimes. But I think, I mean, look, a team that did not draft him, brought him back on a fairly cheap deal, but brought him back. Uh, right. That's a pretty strong endorsement. They could have very easily let him walk and drafted a center. There were a lot of centers in the mid rounds of this. They very much could have drafted a center instead of like Jay Ward. Uh, but they didn't. And they have six safeties now. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's a luxury pick. And they got six safeties in Garrett, Garrett Bradbury. So I don't know. I, I'm the last Garrett Bradbury defender. And I think when people look at offensive line play, they're usually looking at like 15% of the picture. Um, so I don't hate the interior line. I don't think it was good enough to run back 100% entirely. I think some competition would have been awesome. I would have yeah. loved to bring in somebody, a serious free agent, you know, somebody in March, not we, we brought a guy in for a workout in, in August, you know, but yeah. uh, I would have loved that. But alas, uh, and then for on the outside linebackers we'll see what happens with marcus davenport he's gonna stunt inside a lot uh and be part of those blitz packages but he can also set the edge and that's really really important is being able to hold up to a tackle and hold your ground i don't think you get got that a lot with zadarius smith uh and as much and zadarius smith's a better pass rusher and i think you know pound for pound i'm taking smith for sure like that's a more valuable player uh but i get the i see the vision i get it you know? Yeah. Well, that leads us into the defensive keys against uh, the Baker Mayfield led Tampa Bay Buccaneer offense. Um, they still have a pretty good wide receiver uh, named Mike Evans. Um, Chris Godwin also is still there. Um, and uh, so you got that. Those are kind of the two big weapons <laughs> on offense mm -hmm. for, for the Bucks right now. Um, what, what do you see when you look at this Tampa Bay offense and what are going to be some things the Vikings can do? I know, I think you did a Patreon on this, mm -hmm. um, on how the Vikings can kind of, uh, pick apart this Tampa Bay offense. Yeah, that was fun. I, I just kind of said, I'm just going to flick on uh, some preseason tape and just see if I see anything that looks exploitable. Obviously it's tough. It's a preseason who knows what they're, if, how real, uh, it is what they're showing, but if we are going to take that on faith, just for the sake of the exercise, um, they go into man a lot. This is the thing that I found in the Patreon page. They go into man a lot in their um, when when they see extra threatening blitzers. When you walk a guy up to the line of scrimmage, it was like a, a safety once for the Ravens, but. Um, when you walk up to the line of scrimmage, they will kind of say, all right, we're in men. We're in it's five. Oh, is my word for it. Uh, or, or Bob big on big, which basically just means, okay, everybody takes one guy now. 
We're not doing any walling or sliding or anything fancy. We don't really have time to move ourselves uh, and, and cover each other's bases. There's just too many guys. Everybody take a dude, go win your matchups. And when you're in that protection, stunting against that is really, really powerful. It's not unlike a switch release versus man coverage um, or, you know, your kind of classic man beaters like mesh and, uh, you know, spot things and crossing and all that stuff that are classic man beaters. Kind of the same thing on defense versus offensive line. When you, you know, if, if you're next to me and I'm on this guy, you're on that guy and those two guys switch over each other, that's going to be harder for us to pick up. Do we follow it? Do we have to cross each other? Do we pass it off? You know, we get, now we got to think and communicate and there's all kinds of opportunities to mess that up. Um, so walking guys up to the line of scrimmage, I think can be really powerful and then simming pressure off of that and all that. I think the Vikings are going to be able to get a lot of pressure on Baker Mayfield. And when Baker Mayfield gets pressured, he's a, he's a, a crafty vet. Now he knows what to do. He dumps it off. So then it becomes rally and tackle. Can our corners come up and tackle Rashad white or whoever, if they, I think that's the pressure point that the Vikings can lose this game on is we forced to check down, but you know, Makai Blackman missed the tackle or, uh, you know, I, Caleb Evans missed the tackle and then suddenly they scampered for, for an explosive. Yeah. Well, uh, last thing here for you, Luke, I, I've got, uh, I've got to get your pick for the game on Sunday. I'm, I'm going to, I'll go ahead and give mine. I'm going to go with Vikings 24 to 13. I think that's kind of like where that. I'm, I'm going. Uh, but, uh, it's not really that weird of a score. So, I'll leave that to you. No, if you got a weird score prediction. <laughs> I did. I'll tell you a re real old story. This was 2017. Um, the first podcast I ever did. Uh, I think it was called Purple Territory. It was for Purple PTSD and Vikings Territory. It was the first place that I wrote for uh, Joe Johnson, who's since passed, and Joe Oberly. It was the three of us did a Vikings podcast, and we had a little picks game. Um, and Joe Oberly, every single week, he would pick it like 27, 24, 24, 21. Like he would pick the most boring scores and he ran away with it. Just pick something in the middle. You'll be close. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. That's that. Yeah. That's why I don't like score predictions. Here's what I'll say. The Vikings are favored. I think they're it's down to four and a half now. Uh, the line has moved a lot, but they're down to, to four and a half. And I think that that's kind of free money. I think the Vikings are going to cover that. Um, so I'll give you, if you want it, I'll give you something that's, well, I'll say 24, 17 is maybe I'll say they, another they one score game. Here we go again. <laughs> yeah. Right. But one of them's garbage time or something like that. Here's I think we can force turnovers. I think we can make Baker Mayfield make mistakes. I think we can get beat the heck out of him. Um, and, and be a physical team. And I, I think this Buccaneers team as stud filled as they are on defense, uh, I, I don't know if the offense is going to be able to keep up and I still think our offense can score, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Hey Luke, I really appreciate you uh, making the time, taking uh, time out of your first NFL uh, game of the season, uh, watching yeah. the lions and the uh, chiefs um, as we record this. So um, please let the people know where they can find you. Um, I know you're, uh, obviously locked on Vikings, uh, mm -hmm. Minnesota football party, and then you do Patreon stuff. Yep. You can find uh locked on Vikings, wherever you find podcasts, you can find me on Patreon at patreon.com slash Luke Braun NFL, uh, for less than five bucks a month, less than four bucks a month. Actually, uh, you can join me on Patreon. You can get film breakdowns where I show you kind of what I was talking about with the bucks. 
Um, most recently, I did a really long Jaron Hall piece, a, a fairly long Jaquel and Roy piece there as well. If you want to see what he did in the preseason, and then we'll do kind of film breakdowns on the real games once they happen. Uh, and then you can, of course, find Locked On NFL. I'm there on Tuesdays, Minnesota Football Party on Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, they keep you busy over there. Oh, yeah. I'm a busy man. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, uh, hope you have a great 2023-24 uh, season, and uh, hopefully we'll catch up either at some point again during the season or after the season. You know it, man. Always a good time. And as always, skull. <laughs> and as always, well, that's it.